Howdy, folks. This is Adam West. You're listening to, oh, my God, anything goes with Darren Frost on XM Radio's Laugh Attack. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Tonight we have a chance to say, yeah, you're right. We're too extreme, we're too wild, we're too out of control, we're too full of our own shit. Or we have a chance to say, hey, fuck you, you're wrong. Fuck you, we're right. Guess which host bought a Shania Twain album just so they could do blow off her tits. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. And Kathleen McGee. And I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. Can you dig it? Hey everybody and welcome to a special episode of Anything Goes. This week's program is going to be a one hour interview that took place a few weeks ago. I was in Vancouver taping an episode of CBC Debaters and while I was away, Bobcat Goldthwait played the local comedy club. So through the power of the internet, Dave and Kathleen sat down with Mr. Goldthwait and talked to him about comedy and sh- you know shoot the shit for about an hour. So sit back and enjoy our little Easter comedy chocolate egg for you. A special interview with Bobcat Goldthwait. Uh, we're, uh, we're sitting here with uh, Bobcat Goldthwait, who's doing the uh, Yuck Yucks uh, Comedy Club this weekend here in Toronto. And uh, I hosted the show for you on, uh, well, actually, wasn't. Yeah, it was uh, Thursday. You were very funny. On Thursday, right. Yeah. And you were supposed to be on the show. And you yeah, came it was a long, yeah, and then they, I don't know what it went on, but I still went up and did a show. Okay. For the people. Yes. <laughs> I love people. No, yeah, this is all part of the uh, the much talked about alimony tour. So yeah, I've been out on the road for uh, I've been on the road now for on and off for about a year or so. Oh, okay. Well, uh, I know for like a very brief uh, moment, I had a chance to talk to you, and I, I said to you that what a, a big fan I was of the uh, the world's greatest dad that film, and um, I said uh, I said to you that it was one of the darkest movies with one of the happiest endings I've ever seen. And uh, I think the first time I saw it, I was with uh, Kathleen, and uh, Kathleen's uh, another comic, too. So we were watching it, and I was so happy that I was actually watching it with her because it, it, the very first scene with the erotic... Uh, uh, right, uh, right. Erotic don't fix- tell people. <laughs> well, <laughs> It'll ruin it for people. It's not, it's not going to ruin it, but it's going to be... It'll ruin it because that, that movie is great, but it, it is one of those things that if you know what's happening... It, it will ruin it? Well, <laughs> spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Perez Hilton next to me here. Just totally. So uh, there's a, uh, uh, there is some autoerotic asphyxiation. But it's like, it, it's, it has the possibility of being like a real dividing mark in the movie theater. Sure. So it's like very early on in the movie, you know, there's a chance that like two, one person's going to really enjoy it and the other person's going to be like, oh my God. Right. This is... I mean, I was like... I, I like I the it, idea that folks right now are thinking, is this movie about Robin Williams beating off while he's choking? <laughs> it's, it's not, yes. don't worry. Uh, yes. No, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, and I made a... I've I made a... People don't know that I make movies, but I, I, I made another movie before that called uh, a Sleeping Dogs Lie. It was called Stay when it was at uh, Sundance. But... Uh, and that also had a, a, a like the I don't like to call them inciting incidents because that sounds too uh, blowhardy film school student kind of thing because they really aren't the inciting incident too if you took apart the movie but um, uh, in that movie there was a tasteful amount of bestiality so the movie's <laughs> not about bestiality but there's a, a a woman has blown her dog when she was in uh, college and and he's kind of moved on and it's almost like it wasn't like a a drunk frat thing or something. It was just something really weird. Like I always say, it's like when you, 
you know a toaster's hot and you touch it anyways and then you get burned and you go why did i touch it it was more like i don't know why she did it it didn't matter i needed something that that most people couldn't get past in her past but she has and and people always feel that oh it's so important to be honest and and I, and I, and part of me thinks that honesty is overrated and it's a and it's a weapon that people use to manipulate other people but so so uh that the dog blowjob starts at the beginning of the movie and it's all tastefully done it's off camera and i had never seen the movie with an audience so so i'm there with my daughter and and uh and sarah who's now my wife we're sitting there and we, we this woman wants to leave she's only a few rows behind us as soon as the movie starts she goes oh my god and she's trying to get her friend to leave with her and then about 40 minutes in she was crying because her friend talked her into staying and, and that same woman was crying at the you know in the middle of the movie and, and my daughter goes look at your friend now and uh and i look at her and my daughter goes yeah you cry bitch you cry <laughs> <laughs> well do you do you uh do you like sort of challenging the crowd like so early on in the movie no it's more like um for me it's about setting a tone and also like kind of uh thinning out the herd like hey this is what the movie's going to be about are you in or are you out and also um, it's kind of always my stand-up used to be like that, not so much now, but you know where where I just dig a hole and then get out of right. it, which 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 I think it's like you know I guess like the the you know maybe a shrink or somebody would say that you know it's like I, I'm not really too concerned with if people like me. I'm, 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 I, it's also like this other weirder thing. It's like, well, will you like me now? Even now, will you like me? Oh, well, that's interesting because you used like. You're very well known for a character yeah, that yeah, you yeah. did, and you you started your stand up with that character, yeah. right? So how did you go from being that Bobcat to yourself, basically on stage? Um, it was a decision. It's a it was a decision that was just like I really thought I hated stand up, and I realized, oh no, I hate this persona <laughs> that I created, and it was a and, and so. And so I had to, if I was going to keep doing stand-up, I had to jettison it, you know. And it was, it was very hard in a weird way because it's like, you know, you're in a shitty club and, and the expectation is they expect you to come out and do that, you know. And, and it is much easier to go, ah, you know, and they go, yay, that's familiar and warm. Uh, but... <laughs> But, but it's just, yeah, it's just... But, it, you know, I mean, I, I, what, I hope I still do a show that folks like, and I, and I, and I talk about it enough and, 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 and will, you know, make reference to it while I'm talking about it and all this crap, so hopefully people are excited about it. But, but uh, it was mostly for my own sanity. I had to stop it. Well, you kind of, like, I mean, at least you address it, because there right. are some comics, like, uh, I know for a fact, Jimmy Walker, he's like, don't you dare say dynamite to me. No one's allowed to say dynamite in my intro. Right. And no dynamite. But it's like, it's a it produced your character, though. But you get a, if you give him, I heard, a, an extra grand, he'll say dynamite. Yeah. 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 I remember, actually, I saw him on, uh, the, when Geraldo had his sort of talk show. Right. And, like, Jimmy, they got all these, like, hey, where are they now, stars? Jimmy right. Walker was on it. And I guess he was doing a Doritos campaign where he says, where he says, where he dynamite, says dynamite in the commercial. And someone in the audience said, hey, can you say dynamite? And he was just like, I can't do it. It's a part of my Doritos contract. Uh, well, was, well, you know, the, the thing is, is uh, uh, you know, you could go, well, I don't do the character and the character. And then, uh, and then somebody goes, you know, that was so long ago. There's kids that come out to the show. They go, I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. <laughs> I don't know what you mean, dynamite. I don't know what you mean, <laughs> this character. But I think like Police Academy and stuff always kind of keeps me fresh with 12 year olds or something you know which is weird well i was just like even thinking like when um i was talking to somebody about you and i was like i was like i remember watching that when i was like seven <laughs> and things right. like that and i'm like no i'm not saying that to be like oh you're older now <laughs> but i was like when I, I said when some when you said your age on stage last night i was like shut up he's not no because like oh pshaw no but like <laughs> seriously though but you know what's funny not... is like people will come up to me and they go when I uh, my brother and I we watch you and they and they always show me how tall they are they always hold their hand out yeah. in front of them like 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 that doesn't help me at all I go oh yeah now I remember you guys you were shorter you now. were shorter <laughs> one thing uh, like uh, when I saw you on Thursday and uh, I really enjoyed your set but when I was watching it I, it wasn't. It didn't. It wasn't difficult for me to watch you outside of the Bobcat character from the Police Academy movies, where it's like another guy like uh, like Andrew Dice Clay, 
I saw him in New York like a, maybe about a year ago, uh, and he was still trying to. Uh, you know, he's like in his early fifties, and he's still trying to do the. He's still trying to do the, the dice, yeah, yeah. and it just—it's almost like it's, it's yeah. kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like uh, I love Jerry Lewis, but when when he's in Cinderfell, he's a little too old to be doing what he was famous for. But but I saw Dice Clay in a Staples by my house, and I really was like. Who is that fat guy dressed as Andrew Dice Clay in 2011? <laughs> and it was him. And on top of it, the saddest part was that he was doing the persona. Like, he was really walking, I need some three-hold paper. He was? And, for yeah, and I'm like, what the fuck? How, how sad, right? So I sad. take my phone out, and I want to get a picture so I can show my friends. And then I thought, this would be super meta, like, if I turned around and, like, Judy Tenute is taking a picture of me taking a picture of Dice Clay. <laughs> you know? But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I... I uh, you know, and and I understand that there's a soft spot in people's uh, you know brains for this thing and that I did and and all that. And I'm not like I, I don't get mad about it, but I also, um, you know, I did that when I was 22, 23, you know, 25. You know, I was a young guy. You know, and it it it, it, it it's just that to to it's like the guy that. If you just spent all the time talking about college, you know what right. I mean? But it, it, it's also the other thing is I do know it's the only way a lot of folks know me. So I understand that. Like, if you met me at a wedding, the first thing you're going to talk about is, oh, remember that voice. wedding we met? <laughs> do the voice. Yeah. Yeah, me at a wedding. Do the voice. Remember that wedding voice you yeah. had? Uh, remember when you had the wedding and you had long hair? When you hair toasted the group. And it kept going, ah! <laughs> yeah, I remember that. No, but Kimmel, when I would direct the show, he fucking loved to do that all the time. Whenever I you know, do the voice, like if I had to walk through the studio audience or if I talked to him over the PA, you know, when we were making the show, do the voice. But like, like, were you ever? Was it like hard for you to like step step out of that? Yeah, not like back it, up on stage. I'll, I'll tell you, it was it. It was. Uh, it was definitely hard to. Uh, uh, to, to bless you, to jettison it, you know, and 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 sometimes I, I subconsciously I don't even aware of it that I that I do it, but um, people go, well, why is it hard to do something to to get rid of something that people are there to see? But but I I didn't realize how I'd kept it alive out of laziness, you know, yeah. and out of safety. <laughs> well, I, I always think stand up's one of those uh, unique things that it's like, you know, uh, I know people that have gone to go see Willie Nelson in concert, and you can kind of tell that. I mean, you could tell. There's moments where you can kind of tell that he's just walking through his old songs. Right, right. His heart's not into it. But it's hard to, like, like I have jokes that are like, you know, eight years old that I don't do anymore. And it's like for me to bring those. Can out, I have them? Sure. No. <laughs> yeah. He's some good ones. Yeah. Yeah. A couple here and there, but it's like but it's hard to sort of uh, just walk through old stand-up material. And for me, and to no, you it. have to like kind of sell it, or yeah. it's not gonna fly. I guess that's the funny thing about being a comic, you know. But uh, uh, yeah, you know, I, I I get it. You know, I wonder like what people are like. Oh my God, you know, I got to do Freebird tonight. You know, I yeah. mean, <laughs> I have a good Skinner story. Years ago, I was on stage in uh, in Atlanta. This is a long time ago because uh, I. Uh, it was like five thousand people. It was an outdoor concert. Dennis Miller was my opening act. That's how long ago it was, and he was a, a Democrat then. That's how long ago it was. So, I still don't know what happened. Yeah, so. <laughs> you got to go where the money is. Yeah. Follow the money. So uh, he, so I'm on stage, and the whole show I keep hearing "Free Bird, Free Bird," you know. And then finally I snap. I go, "Listen, you ignorant fucking crackers. Leonard Skinner's dead. All right, the South <laughs> is not going to rise again." The war's over. You lost. There's no chicken in the bread basket picking out dough. <laughs> Leonard Skinner's dead. They're dead. They're dead. I remember this like it was yesterday. And I look at the bottom of the stage, and these woolly biker guys are climbing on the stage, and nobody stops them. And it's the surviving members of Leonard Skinner. They were oh on tour. Oh, my God. And that's why people were yelling Freebird, because they recognized those guys. They weren't doing it to bust my balls. Yeah. And it was the first time, truly, it was the first time I ever used my real voice on stage because suddenly I go, Tony, get the car. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I got healed. And then you just started going, if I leave, you ladies, No, I go, ladies and gentlemen, Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> That's, well, okay, I didn't know this about you. I read this about you. You were the opening act for Nirvana on their last tour. That's well, I, yeah, I was like, a, I would MC the festivities. But yeah, I'd go on stage and do time uh, on the Nirvana cool tour. For, that was that was a huge. That is a huge band for a generation of people. Yeah, it was sort of like the, the Beatles for 
you know. It's really weird because, like, I met Kirk because he was a fan of mine. And, you know, I jokingly say that's like finding out that, like, Jimi Hendrix really liked Buddy Hackett or something. But <laughs> but he was a fan of mine, and, and we met at a college radio station before the band had broke, and he interviewed me. And and then, yeah, it was really strange, and it was really sweet. And I remember listening. He gave me a copy of Bleach, and I was with my friend Tony V, and I'm like, you know, rock and roll sucks because these guys are really good, you know, and you'll never hear from them, but they're good. You know, so yeah. then two years later, I'm opening up for them, getting hit with Bibles and boots and M80s going off on my head. And, you know, I always say comics are like, oh, you know, getting heckled is like, really? I was hit with a teenager once, you know. Where they, <laughs> That's the they, thing is like our other co-host, Darren Frost, he he's uh, really good friends with the Headstones, a Canadian band here. Mm-hmm. And... uh They've asked him to go on tours, and he's like, "No, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> that's just like opening up for a band." Is I've I've tried to open up for bands. It's one of the hardest things to come. Yeah, but do. I can say that at that point in my career, I was just like, I didn't give a shit about about like it was. You got to party with the Nirvana. <laughs> well, no, it was more like I wanted to just, you know, at that time, that's like when I was sent in the Tonight Show on Fire and being super destructive, and I thought, well, this is kind of funny. This is like it was really more like about making myself laugh, like going out and and. And sometimes saying horrible things and getting 5,000 people who are waiting to see a band to boo. You yeah. know, that's pretty funny to me. But uh, I can't say I'm that destructive now. But, um, but yeah, it was, you know, I'm, I am glad because of the opportunity and, and um, to, uh, to, you know, I did spend some time with Kurt. Not a lot, but you know, there was a couple nights him and I just sat around, talked all night. And I really liked him. He was really sweet. But, um, and, and and uh, being around all of them, Chris and Dave. Um, but I, uh, uh, in fact, Chris shows up in uh, uh, World's Greatest Dad. He's got a cameo. He's the vendor at the newsstand when Robin's crying, looking at the porno. For real? Yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's cool. He gives him the hug. Yeah. He goes, "Why do you?" I go, "Hey, can you do this part?" He goes, "He goes, why?" I go, "Cause you're funny. Cause he is funny." And he goes, "I am." I go, "Yeah, you're funny." <laughs> so, so he's like, "Well, what's this about?" I go, "Well, you know, when someone dies, how people make." Uh, it all about them, and they kind of forget the actual person that really did die. And he goes, "I have no idea what you're talking about." <laughs> <laughs> and so, so uh, he was really sweet, and it was it was great to have him there. But yeah, I mean, when I opened for Nirvana, I did all this crazy stuff. Like, uh, uh, you know, I repelled a nude from the roof of the Oakland Coliseum at midnight <laughs> oh <my laughs> as the New Year's baby. I like how vain I am because I still wear a hat. Like, hey, I don't want people to know that I got you were bald. completely nude, but you were wearing a hat. I had the in, ut- <laughs> the in utero wings on, a hat, and my converse. And uh, and um, I learned this. If you're nude at midnight, you don't get a kiss because uh, <laughs> nobody like, – there's like a 12-foot thing around me. Hey, nude guy coming through. Like it was, <laughs> it was as if I had poo on me or something. People were like, whoa, nude guy. Uh. Have you uh, – I guess have you been welcomed back on The Tonight Show since setting fire to the Well, you know, he had me on, and I actually spoke with him too because he had me on doing something else. But I uh, – I, I, uh, I, I don't know. I mean I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure probably if I had like a lot of heat or a product, you know, because they all go on each other's shows and they all – you know, I, I don't think it's like a question of – like, Jay Leno never said that I was banned from the show. He, he really did actually have me on doing a comedy bit like a week or two later. But but um, I can understand why he's mad. You know, I set his show on fire. And I, and then and on top of that, afterwards, I didn't, like, go, oh, that was a dumb thing or anything. I just I just kind of kept running with it, and I kept making fun of him. And, you know, I personally was attacking him. And, and um, you know, I... I uh, I kind of felt bad for that later on. I was like, you know what, you know what, why am I attacking this guy? You know, uh, you know, because um, I'm not. I, I tried to do very little celebrity bashing in my act because when someone does celebrity bashing, they're they're usually just saying I should be more famous. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and 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 I don't I don't want to do that. You know, I have a really big problem with comedians who. Uh, who uh, spend a lot of time making fun of other comedians, you know. It's just like, hey, man, why don't you just write some jokes? Why don't you just be funnier than them? Yeah, and or it's then, just like, yeah. you know, if, if Dane Cook is more popular than me, um, it doesn't bother me because I don't want those people at my shows. That is exactly what I like to say. I told, like, I, I don't want um, someone's fans that want that clean... Right. White bread comedy because my comedy is very dark and very dirty, and I want people with a very dark and dirty sense of humor 
to like yeah, my jokes. Yeah, I want the folks, you know, it, it's just this, like, uh, you know, it's it's whatever. I mean, the folks, it's like jockey kind of, you know what I mean? It's the, you know, I mean, I don't I don't get mad at things. I just go, oh, that's not what I'm about, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like Saturday Night Live is not aimed at me. You know, right. it's aimed for 12-year-old kids. You know, and 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 you know, it, it's it's not like it's I'm not their audience, and and you know, their whole show is about like um, it's like the cool kids doing sketches at uh, a homecoming or a pep rally. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, hey, wouldn't it be great if the captain of the football team wore a cheerleading outfit? <laughs> that'd be Dude, so that'd be so funny. fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, so I mean, you know, they do what they do, and and uh, and I go and, and make, uh, m- I, you know, the movies I make are, are only kind of really aimed at my perspective. From from you know, I'm I'm not trying to appeal to anyone. So I mean, maybe that's why my movies don't have uh, big audiences. Like maybe it's like, oh yeah, this the target audience is middle aged white guys who are comedians who uh, used to bang Nikki Cox. <laughs> it's like a really specific, all demographic. It's me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like to watch my own movies a lot. I sit there by myself. You did it again, BC. You really... BC, I love that you call yourself. That's you, like a Mad Magazine thing. I always loved that Mad Magazine, how, they would, how the businessmen would call each other DK. I, I think we should bring that back. That's you awesome. You did. I, I did it again. Rob Scratch. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, this will be part two of our interview with Bobcat Goldthwait. From an undisclosed location obeying all their court orders, this is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. This is Andy Kindler, and you're listening to Anything Goes on XM Radio. In case you had no idea what you were doing, that's what you're doing. Continue to do it. There are some people who could bring world peace if they weren't so busy hating everyone. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Welcome back from the break, and we're going to join Dave and Kathleen's interview with Bobcat Goldthwait. But that's one of the things I always love about stand-up is that when someone says something on stage, and if, like, before I did stand-up, and the few times I watched it before I tried started to do it, um, but you'd be in the audience, and someone would say something on stage, and then you'd be like, oh my god, I never thought anyone else Right, thought that or observed that or had that same notion before, and I think that's that's what I love about stand up so much. And uh, when you were talking about how you know try not to get angry at things that aren't necessarily made for you, like when you were talking about like you know Dane Cook's fans and things like that. I mean, I always just you know when when I see comics like hacking on TV shows, uh, that you want to say, well, that's that show's obviously not made for you. You're in your late. Right, right, right. Comedian, exactly. Yeah, the people who are right making two and a half men aren't (laughs) trying to get your. They don't want you as an audience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, that's the whole thing. You know, Uh, uh, (laughs) yeah. Like I don't, you know, these things don't exist to me. You know, and last night I was saying uh, on stage about you know Charlie Sheen thing. It's like the people who, who who are chasing him like he's like a Frankenstein monster and they they're all the nerds that go oh drugs did this to this guy it's like he's a he's he's a he's a ill guy going through a manic swing you know what i mean and they're the same kind of people like if he does actually kill himself or something they'll go oh poor Charlie Sheen <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's it, like he's healed the fire it's all these fucking ghouls and it's like i get really annoyed when they go it's drugs like it's drugs it's like man it's not drugs cuz when you're high the last thing you want to do is call a press conference. You know, you do not want attention. When you're high, you sit in the closet, you're looking out the window and seeing black helicopters going yeah. over. You're not going, I got to get on Oprah. Well, yeah. his father had mental problems. Like, it's genetic problems. Yeah. There's probably some yeah. sort of, like, mentally... And I don't understand why we we can make fun of uh, a celebrity if they're having a mental breakdown, but if they're physically sick. Like, the only argument know. I have about this Charlie Sheen thing is that he's actually... If he's mentally sick, if he's having a breakdown or whatever, 
I appreciate the fact that he's he he did for a while make a mockery of the media. Like he made them all look that like assholes. That is true, and, and, and I liked. And they that is true, and also he, <laughs> yeah, he did. I like, mean, he's so done a lot of things that it's just like I have to give you respect. I don't care if you're. Yeah, he is definitely crazy. going through a. Uh, it is a little bit like uh, the movie network in a weird way, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like because uh, normally what happens when someone. Uh, does something like this, then then the apology comes the next day, and he's like, "No, no apologies. Go fuck yourself." <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's almost like uh, it's not like he's gotten in his car and he's like, you know, crashed into like a schoolhouse or anything. Right, right, right. He hasn't really done anything all that bad. I mean, he's you know, he's he's gone on a partying rampage and he's partied and uh, yeah. And it's like I don't uh, yeah when, when sort of people. But look, like, you, you can even take it further. You know, uh, what if? He was an artist, you know. What if he has the soul of an art artist, and they're giving him hundreds of millions of dollars, but the trade-off is is he's got to be on a sitcom? Hey, man, that might be fucking whole, hell. You know what I mean? Like exactly. if if he's truly a guy who who has a, a, a creative, uh, you know, force inside him, like because you know everybody's convinced like if you make a lot of money or if you're in the public eye, you're happy and. Uh, you know that's the, the the biggest fallacy, and 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 that's a theme that actually runs through the movies I make too. Usually, there's a, a thing about that because about seven eight years ago, I just stopped chasing it. You know, it's not, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna go on reality shows, and I'm not gonna, uh, you know, I just stopped saying yes to things I wouldn't really watch. Yeah. Why wouldn't you go on? S- I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. <laughs> Cause, Come on. Uh, uh, I actually watched that one. Wasn't that bad? It's bad, but it... but but we were using the term celebrity really loosely. But yeah, I, yeah. Uh, but but um, I uh, yeah, I just don't need to be recognized enough. I don't, you know, I'd like it if people like my stand up, and I'd like it if people like the the movies I make. But I I don't really care about the, the other part of me. You know, I'm not I'm not interested in giving that away. You know. Well, I always, I, that's why I always think that stand-up comics sometimes have the hardest uh, time dealing with reality shows. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because we always, you know, we, we go out on stage and we write our own material <laughs> and we go to open mics. Well, even like doing so- this interview, like, I go, I feel like I should be like, pow, like yeah. hitting you with jokes every five minutes. <laughs> like, like someone's listening to this going, what a blowhard this Bob's grad. I don't even know who he is. What the fuck character were they talking about? Do the voice. People was that, <laughs> was that, please do the voice. Was that Paul Rubens? Who the fuck was that? <laughs> was this, are you guys talking to Pee Wee Herman? What's going on? But it's just like, you know, we, we try so hard and, and we want to be recognized from the work that we do. And then we see some guy who just acts like a jackass on TV. And, you know, we have to just we have to keep it. Oh, fuck, that guy's going to be more famous than I'll ever be for just being a uh, like a, a disrespectful cunt or a, a, just or, a, a jerk off. You <laughs> well, know? just, you know, like the situation. And yeah, stuff. Exactly, yeah. But, but, you know, again, like we're thinking, like, is it do you want to be known or do you want to make a product? Now, easy for me to say this because I actually had fame and. And, and had some bread at certain points in my life. Easy for me to go, well, you know, it's not really what it's cracked up to be because I've had a shot at all that. You know, once I was sitting with uh, with my ex and my friend Tony V, who's a comedian, and, and they were going off on David Brenner, like, you know, and, oh, you know, about him not being funny and all. And I finally go, hey, guys, why do you care, you know? Because it was a, his HBO special, and they finally go, well, because two people in this room haven't had an HBO special. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we care. I go, all right, all right, maybe I'll, maybe I'll put a fucking lid on it. Why? So what made you want to get back into stand-up? Like, how long have you been well, away? And what it made really you was like, um, you know, first I went back and I, really, I was not having fun. And then I actually jettisoned the character. And then I started having fun again. And it's what I do. Um, it's a great job. It's what I do, you know. It is who I am. So, so I, I do it, and it, and it, and it, and it, and it, and I jokingly say this, but it's true too. I it really does keep me off of reality shows. You know, if I go out and make my living doing stand up, I, I can go make these small movies on my terms. I think people think I finance my movies. I don't finance my movies, but I uh, I, I did one uh, actually. Uh, Sleeping Dogs Lie. We shot that in two weeks with a crew from Craigslist. But Amazing. but but all the other movies were were uh, were were financed by other folks, which is funny because the Darko Pictures, who's just financing the new movie, um, uh, Ted Ham, whose uh, family had Ham's beer. I, I went in the office. Well, <laughs> it's funny because Ted wasn't there. I go, Hey, are we gonna make this movie or not? Because I gotta. <laughs> oh, you have Ham's beer tattoo. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I was like. I was, 
we better make this movie because I went and got this done. Yeah, I go, look, plenty of room over here for Fox Searchlight on the other. So basically, <laughs> my body's becoming a NASCAR burn suit. You That's can, amazing. Your company name or logo you here. you do that if they sponsor you? Do you yeah, I'll get you a, tattoo their name on yeah, there? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Don't get a Yuck Yucks tattoo, as I was saying. <laughs> but they're not going to give you that much money. But uh, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but before, I don't want to get in trouble for that. But okay, um, I need to. We need to talk about Windy City Heat because I'm not kidding you. That movie is one of the best movies. Although I first heard about it when I was down in LA and we went to the Ding Dong show and oh. I went with John Doerr and another comic named Nigel Lawrence. We were the only people in the audience, <laughs> and they still did it. And we were in tears did, laughing. Did, it was did, was Perry in the Ding Dong show? Or no, just, he wasn't there. He wasn't there. It was like uh, was Sam the guy the ventriloquist? No, it was it was only about two thousand and nine. So it was oh, okay. more than so it was like a the schizophrenic show. surfer was there. Sure, yeah. Um, Tennessee Ernie was there. Uh, the Arabian, what's his name? Oh, uh, Armenian, comedian. Armenian, Armenian comedian. comedian. And he was like creeping me out after He's he great. like came up and he was like holding me. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, this is really scary. But, but we met Don Barris and we were talking yeah. about it. And then he started telling us about Windy City Heat because John knew about it. And I'd never seen it. Right. And then we found it at this movie store and I bought it. And I... It's changed my life. Like, that must have been one of the most fun and heartbreaking movies to make. Because, like, well, this kid... It's this... a very... It's a, such a strange thing, you know? I mean, it still goes on, you know? Can you the... explain the movie kind of just for, for listeners any, that yeah, d- for haven't them. seen it or well, heard about it? <laughs> it's hard. They have to see it. It's... Well, just, like, d- explain wh- who Perry is. Perry and... Caravelle is a comedian and an open mic comedian that Don Barris and, and uh, Mole have known for now probably 15 years. And Don Barris is, like, the father of the crazy comedians yeah, down he, there. Yeah, and so, he, so we shot a movie with Perry, and Perry wasn't aware that it wasn't a real movie. So. It's amazing. So it's, it's, yeah. But Perry in the, in the big three, I mean, Perry and Don and Mole now do a podcast, but Perry always quits. Is, so what is he, is he doing anything now? Um, No, he's looking for work. You know, he, the print shop that he worked in closed down. So, but, you know, Perry was paid for the movie yeah. and stuff like that. I think people... You know, but the whole time you were doing that, didn't you feel like, okay, there's a point I'm going to have to tell him that this isn't real? <laughs> um, and did you feel bad about that at all, ever? Um, well, I mean, it is real. And so, <laughs> I don't see it. This is hard to address publicly. It's a real publicly. movie, but it's, it's like, it's so. It's, it's, it, a, it's, a, it's a, like a documentary about a movie that. Look, I directed that movie, and I'm still confused what the fuck went <laughs> on. Okay, so so that's that's all I'm going to say. If people want to discover it, it is real. I, I know that people like can't wrap their brain around that but like i had the same problem when i saw american movie i didn't realize that was real i don't know if you've ever seen that that's the the two guys in milwaukee who are making uh, oh i did see that yeah yeah yeah. they're making the horror movie yeah yeah and the coven yeah yeah (laughs) coven coven so we uh and then I met Mark Borshak, and I was like, "Oh, I'm such an idiot, you know." I was like, "This was a real movie," and it's 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 so so, uh, you know. Jimmy loves it. Some people think it's fake. He just he Kimmel produced it, and it was one of the driving forces. And he he likes to encourage people to think it was fake. I don't know. It's insane. I but I'm telling all of our listeners, like, if you get a chance, if you've never seen Windy City Heat, it is seriously. It's amazing. It's so funny. Now, even the, the, the Ding Dong show itself, like when I was down there with uh, Darren Frost, the guy that usually is, is with the three of the, uh, the other hosts of the show. Um, and I just – is the Ding Dong show the – like could that only be done in Los Angeles? Could you do that show anywhere else? You can do it in New York. There's enough crazy people. But Yeah, I think, I'm sure you could do it here in Toronto. I mean, I don't know if we have as – I mean – There's always people that show up at the open mic. Yeah. We have one – Comic here in Toronto. She's a little. I don't want to give her name out because I don't want to give her. Yeah, name. don't be mean. But she, like, I think she knows. I think she she thrives off the way she is. But, but she is. She could be a star of the Ding Dong Show. Mm. Is what I'm saying. But. But I think that like everyone that is a part of the Ding Dong Show almost thinks that this is going to lead to something because I guess yeah, I mean, that's Hollywood true. is that sort of like that city of dreams yeah. and everyone thinks, oh, well, it's just enough for me to be on stage yeah. and maybe something will come no, from this. No, you're right. And, 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 and like everybody in Los Angeles is, uh, you know, it's, it's playing the lottery. Everyone feels that they're just one idea, one audition, one, one joke away from becoming the next biggest thing ever and all your problems will be solved. Yeah. 
It's so sad. It is. And, you know, I like right now I'm casting this new movie and 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 I hate auditioning because I'm like uh you know, I want everybody to get the part. And and and, and but you know what's here's the funny thing though. That's a lot of shit. You know what it is? I don't like the idea of people not liking me. Yeah, yeah. That's really what it is. Like, I don't want this uncomfortable thing where you don't like me, you know? Because if I really cared about people, would I really be making movies? Right. <laughs> Maybe I'd be in, in, over, yeah, over the Peace Corps. I think I'd be over in Japan right now or Haiti right now helping Sean. <laughs> and I don't, you know, so it's, it's bullshit. But it is uncomfortable, you know, especially the other day I went and auditioned and and by the way, we still haven't said yes or no on this role. I don't know when this goes out, but uh, I, you know, because it's L.A., I go and run out and grab a sandwich in between auditions. And there's this person working at the sandwich place that came in and auditioned yesterday for me. And I'm like, oh no! <laughs> oh, it's everybody's at a Starbucks. Working I know, but I'm like, there's time. no way they're not spitting in my food. <laughs> oh yeah, right. <laughs> I want to do that. I want to go into L.A. in a coffee shop because everybody's reading and everyone's talking about every everybody's talking about fucking movies and TV shows yeah. and shit. I mean, they don't people don't understand that, but every single table is and the people behind. I mean, and I want to go and they go, you know, go. All right, we're gonna make a movie. Let, who's who's writing a screenplay right now? And they go, okay, and then okay, let's shoot five minutes of it, you know, and then and then say, okay, I need some actors, and they go, oh, you know, behind the counter, you know, everybody, you could really, I need a crew, you could really crew up and film something, uh, I think in an hour time in in a Starbucks or any coffee shop, and I've, I've always sort of wanted, just as a practical joke, I always, and it would be really mean, but if you were to go to a, a like a film set where there was something like 400 <laughs> extras, and then all of a sudden you just go into the extras holding it and just go, uh, listen, I got a big announcement. We've suddenly lost our lead actor. <laughs> now, can anyone here act and think that they would be good enough to star in this film? And you would just see 400 hands shoot up right away. Because there is that uh, sort of like, uh, oh, man, maybe I might be crap, but I got to do this one thing. Yeah. I really just love that. Uh, put, put me in, coach. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a it's a it's a weird uh it's so strange you know because i've noticed in la the the extras are are crazier and when i'm in new york you, you're talking to people who are stand-ins and extras and they're like actual actors they're like folks that work on off broadway they're people you know what i mean it's mm -hmm. different and then the extras in uh L.A. Are, are, maybe it's that thing you're saying that everybody's just one uh, lotto ticket away from being the next uh, Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, it's uh, did you uh, did you ever get a, uh, a call to audition for the uh, the Affleck duck? No, I uh, it was you know <laughs> I have to say I, I did briefly go hey, would I take that money? But um, uh, you know I said on stage you know I always thought uh, <laughs> I always thought that Gilbert was Japanese, but. Um, I, uh, I, uh, he does look Japanese. Yeah, you know, I thought it was like how, you know, black comedians can, uh, say things about <laughs> black people. So, so maybe that's why. But, uh, no, I did not get the call. And I do think that they're probably would be afraid of me now after, uh, Gilbert. Gilbert ruined that duck, ruined it for the whole fucking that bunch fucking of us, duck. for the whole pound. <laughs> One thing, what, like, uh, what did you think of him, sort of? Because, in, in my opinion, like, uh, Kathleen and I have talked about, like, Twitter and you shouldn't apologize to the people that follow you on Twitter because they are Are you on to, Twitter? Are no. you supposed to be your fan so they should accept everything that you say but I thought a lot of the stuff that he kind of said about Japan were you know I mean some of the jokes were okay a lot of them were great but a lot of this that would be the sort of shit that it, just come out, comics would say amongst themselves in the back of a comedy club. Right, and, right, right. And just what, what do you think about the idea of just the, being able to put something out like that and then suddenly you know everyone can well, I mean, the, the the thing is, is 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 um, you know, the the reason I don't Twitter is because I don't want another job, man. I don't want to, you know, <laughs> you know, what I mean, like have to be writing jokes all day, and then I don't want um to have, I don't want the uh, people to have that kind of uh uh access to my uh fragile overblown ego you know what i mean <laughs> why would i want the, you know strangers to you know i had 100 followers yesterday why do i only have 50 now or what well, just i was like you know i i do ego surf you know and, and and every once in a while i'll see something which really cracks me up where someone will go uh i won't even say who but like i'll read it, it says, 
such and such did Bobcat's joke last night on such and such, and then and I look at it, and it's like, no man, it's like we're what you know, and now now you're discrediting this other comic, and and you. And I'm like, why? Who are you? Why would you sit around being the comedy police? Who gives a shit? You know, what I mean, it really infuriates me because, uh, and it's funny. It's like uh, uh, the times I've seen it where, where they were accusing other people of doing my bits, and it's like, no, they were just talking about the same fucking topic. You yeah. know, you yeah. jerk. You know, but so what? What a silly world to waste your time. I mean, I'd rather go. We'll be working on a, a screenplay or something. And, and it stuff. is entertaining, though. Uh, this was like I, I've, I haven't been on Twitter for very long, but I've kind of become a little bit addicted to it just because it can be fun. But this is the first like tragedy that I've been on Twitter for, and it's I'm full. I pretty much just follow comedians, and uh, some of the comics right away started tweeting jokes. And some of the comics were like, stop tweeting jokes, it's not time, yeah, it's not time. <laughs> Brody Stevens in LA was, was tweeting some stuff and people were getting mad at him. And it's just really funny cause it, because it is a chance for comedians to just not have a filter and that's the thing that can get them into a lot of trouble. But but it's not, I mean, there is a filter, you know, you, you're taking, it's not like a guy sitting around telling jokes with his friends, he's actually taking the time to type it. And yeah. he's got to realize that the people he's talking to is the entire world at that point. It goes from, well, it's no longer in the back of the club, it's the entire world. And am I willing to be judged by the entire world about a couple lazy uh, uh, tsunami jokes? You know, like, I don't have that kind of time. And I think it's like, you know, there's also that kind of, um, this idea of being the first one to say a joke about a topic, people, it does give you heat. You know, people are excited. I can't believe he said that, blah, 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 blah. you know. Um, uh, I would be more on a personal level be more concerned with the quality of the joke that I'm doing mm -hmm. not 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 the not the uh you know not you know they're, they're kind of lazy yeah when uh one of the, one of the movies I mean I like Gilbert but uh, uh you know I, I have a feeling Affleck may have fired him because those jokes just weren't that funny That's they what weren't I'm they weren't that not that they were tasteless you know I mean you know I'm <laughs> well I think it's kind of funny too that like I guess Japan does about seventy five. Oh no, Affleck does like seventy five percent of their business in Japan. Yeah. But it's not even Gilbert's voice that's coming out of the Japanese yeah. duck in the commercial. Yeah, they so. replaced him a while ago. I, I remember at one point they replaced him with Chevy Chase's duck voice. I I follow this shit. I want the duck money. No, <laughs> I, I want to be the next I duck. Okay, we got to take one more break, and we'll be back with more with Bobcat Goldthwait. Even when you're a star, a punch in the head is still a punch in the head. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. This is Anthony Jeselnik. That's right, Anthony Jeselnik. You're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost on XM Radio's Laugh Attack. That's right, Anthony Jeselnik. For the same reason you slow down at bloody car accidents, you'll keep listening. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, Dave Martin, and Kathleen McGee. Okay, welcome back from the break, and here's the final installment of the interview Dave and Kathleen did with Bobcat Goldthwait. No. <laughs> I, I want to be the next I duck. can tell you the time when I really stopped the, the, the whole madness and got off the wheel. I remember going in for an oven mitt that Jim Belushi got the voice of. I think it was like Hamburger Helper. Oh, Hamburger Helper! And Jim Belushi, and I'm like, I'm fucking out. I'm out. <laughs> I can't believe I auditioned for an oven mitt. <laughs> I can't believe I'm disappointed I didn't get it, and I can't believe Jim Belushi got it. Got it. And then, I, what the fuck does this have to do with who I am and where I where I started from? You know, when I was a kid and said, "Man, I'd really like to be a comedian. I'd really like to to make stuff. I really, you know, I like comedy. I want to say something. I want to do something." You know, my heroes were Andy Kaufman, George Carlin, people like that, and and um, and, and now my, my my heroes, I think, are are, are people who who make movies and stuff. Uh, you know, different different. Um, I hate to say the word filmmakers, but different filmmakers, you know, that I, you know, I like seeing. Are there any comedians that you watch today that you like, like any, like just being out on the scene? 
Where do you like? Where are I'm sorry. Well, I mean, my live. friends make me laugh. You know, yeah. what I mean, but you know, so so there's you know, my friend Morgan Murphy always makes me laugh and stuff. But there's hilarious. But there's like people who who. Uh, who uh, there's people that do make me laugh, you know. I, I just don't follow comedy that much, but you know, like I think Chris Rock is is brilliant, you know. I think uh, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of funny people and there's a lot of funny things out there, you know. But I think, um, you know, and then like uh, I think Charlene Yee is really funny. Um, Her uh, movie was really good too. Yeah, I love that movie, and um, you know, I I'm not that bitter that I don't I like I don't like comedy, but. After being a comedian since I was a teenager, and now I'm 48, um, um, I was. It sounds like I'm sucking up, but it was really refreshing how funny a lot of the folks were in Toronto. You know that I got to see. That was nice. The one thing uh, I wanted when you were talking about uh, being a, a filmmaker, and uh, I Shakes the Clown was always one of my <laughs> very favorite movies. Whenever I would talk to comics about Shakes the Clown, I would always say. Um, the, if you replace those clowns with comedians, it, stand-up comics, it would be the best movie about stand-up comedy ever. <laughs> because that's always something that fa that always fascinates me about stand-up comics is they always want to make movies about stand-up comedy. Yeah. It's like, okay, we got these five comedians, and they're they're going to rob a bank. <laughs> and then that's well, what happens. Well, I would appreciate it if they would rob a bank. The problem <laughs> is, 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 is they, make, they all want to make a movie about stand-up comedians about making it. And what the business is really like, right. and and no one gives a shit. Yeah, that, yeah it's I, like it's like writing making a movie about the underbelly of plumbing. I, I agree. People just want their toilet to work, and just people want to hear funny jokes. No yeah, I mean, but I think like you could make a movie that would be interesting. A bunch of comics that are fucking uh, pissed, and they rob a bank. There, at least something happens. You know, I've always liked the idea of a comedian who's killing people on the road. You know, and he, that could happen easily. Easily, yeah. We did have a rapist comedian, so you know. I do remember that. That was I remember that story from a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. What a rapist comedian? Yeah, he was a guy. He plays clubs and colleges all around town, and, and, rapes, and rapes girls all around the country. He rapes vaginas across the country, <laughs> and then he makes them laugh. He's available for kids parties. <laughs> yeah. he, he plays. Um, I remember that's uh, a long story and it's not mine, but I'll try to tell it quick. Uh, somebody had written a, a, a thing about. Remember the guy who was the millionaire? Oh, um, who wants to marry Rick Rockwall or whatever? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so they they said, first of all, in the USA today, he's not even a millionaire, and second of all, he's a comedian. Like 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 that was as bad as lying about being a millionaire. So some comedian wrote into USA Today and said. Comedians do a lot of good work, and, and to apply that that's a derogatory, and then they signed it as the rapist's name. They used his name. Oh. We're a great group of people that do a lot of nice work, and then they ran it in USA Today, so that was great. That is very funny, actually. <clears throat> uh, and I just, uh, yeah, I, I guess I'm, I, I've always been a big, uh, the, the Shakes the Clown movie was always a, a real favorite of mine. Well, Shakes is really weird. It is like, I, I, that was the whole idea behind it. I was making fun of stand-up comedians, but uh, that, that again, is a very limited audience. But uh, it has its own following. And the clown audience is that much larger. It, well, and, the, and it has a, a, a following now. And Tom Kenny and I, who is Binky and Shakes the Clown and, Tommy and I have known each other since we were six years old. He's SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah. I know. I read but, that too. I'm like, that's so cool. But Tommy and I were sitting there in this theater, and there's like people dressed up in, in clown suits, and, and there was clown whores there. These women were just clown whores, and they were all everyone's kind of fucking drunk, and it was fun. And they all memorized the dialogue, and but in the middle of the movie, Tommy and I are going, "What the fuck were we thinking? Like, what is this movie about?" It's Clowns so... are really horrible, though. They, 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 I I got a clown porn for my birthday from a friend, <laughs> and I watched it some of it, and I'm like, "This is turning me off of sex for at least a month. Oh, like, really? this is gross. <laughs> it's creepy." <laughs> Clowns can be so creepy. But the, the clowns that go to clown school take themselves so yeah. seriously. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, I mean, they go, oh, it's such a, it's a oh, very old, ancient art form. Ancient. <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, oh, you know what? You got a red nose on, just yeah. dance around. Um, my favorite part of uh, Shakes the Clown um, was when all the comics are sitting, or when this, the <laughs> clowns are sitting around, and they're in their clown makeup in the yeah. diner. And they're talking about the one clown that's going to become really yeah, successful. Yeah, yeah, Binky, do you ever make you laugh? Yeah. <laughs> that guy can't even fucking throw a pie straight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then one of the comics says, uh, or when one, fuck, one of the clowns says, 
well, yeah, well, if he makes it, he's going to help us out. Yeah. yeah. I remember watching that going like, oh, <laughs> these are comics. Just dressed up as clowns. Basically. I love that. Yeah. Movie. We've been taking up a lot of your time, so we'll have one more, qu- we have one more question. Oh, no problem. But you've been awesome. Uh, I just, we just wanted to know, because you've had a very long, varied career. Like, you've had, yeah. you've gone, you did some stand-up, you did the Police Academy, you did Hot to Trot, which, by the way, was one of my favorites when uh, I was little. It was not, well, when you were a little kid. Do little not reinvent it. No, re- I haven't it. seen it. No? Yeah, keep it fun. Okay. You'll, you'll be like. Because I, lo- I, I was always like, gonna, I want to watch that horsey movie. It's like, when I, yeah, that's that's where you want to keep it. Because uh, it's like me and Santa Claus versus the Martians when I went back. <laughs> didn't hold up. Did not hold up. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. But, it, like, you've just, what, what's, what have you been most proud of in your career? Like, of course, your movies and things like that. But what is something that you finally were like, oh, this is something I'm really happy about? Well, not not proud, but maybe I'm going to tell a a, a thing that happened to me. When when we made uh, Sleeping Dogs Lie uh, stay, right, Uh, we went to to Spain, right? And we're in a film festival. And and I'm sitting there and... and, um, First of all, I show up, I'm just like a jerk. Like, I'm wearing, like, a, a plaid skirt and a cowboy hat. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you know, I'm just like, uh, whatever. So, so and, the, and, the, and I go in, and the place is packed, and it's filled with people who are dressed up, and I feel like a jerk. And it's like 1,400 people, and the movie plays, and the first 20 minutes, I'm sitting there. It's starting to get laughs, but, you know, there's it's being translated and stuff, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm feeling weird, and... It got to the end of the movie, and then it got like a standing O, and then the movie stopped, and then they they gave it another standing O. So I was like, wow, you know. And and I went to the back of the theater, and I was saying hello to people, and and uh, what I didn't know was that everybody from the theater had lined up down the stairwell. So there was fourteen hundred people waiting, and then it was like the end of Star Wars, and then as we walked out, they cheered. Oh my god! And I just started crying like a big pussy, and then uh-huh. uh, and I ran back to my car and got a, a disposable camera, and I said, "Wait, wait, wait, wait!" And I took pictures of all the people. So that's am I proud of that moment? That that's just this crazy fucking thing that happened to me, and then and then you know two weeks later I'm playing uh, I'm not even exaggerating playing in an Indian casino, <laughs> getting booed. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I have this really awesome life, you know. I, I, I often wonder like what would happen if one of my movies popped, and I, I think it would kind of. And it's, it, it's this is not self-loathing, and this is not crazy, but I kind of feel like it would ruin my life in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what uh, I mean, I mean, stand-up itself as a as an art form has only really been around for like maybe not even like. You know, I guess you could. I mean, if if you want to go all the way back to the vaudeville, I guess you could. But you know, if you say that stand up started in like the early '60s, uh, like 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 me, contemporary stand up. Yeah, you mean like, like Bruce when people like talk that. about them, the, the persona that they're projecting is themselves. Right. Yeah. That's, and so, like, from when when you started, I guess in the, when did you when would you like early? I started. Uh, no, as a comedian, I was like sixteen, fifteen, sixteen. Wow. So that was like probably. I don't know, mid seventy, seventy eight, something like that, probably. And w- and so when you first started, when did you develop the character that eventually? Well, when I first started, I didn't do stand up. I would just go up and 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 you know, I go. Uh, I'd start my act and I'd stop and I'd start crying and then I would read a dear John letter and I'd be like, hey, it does not feel very good to be here, you know, <laughs> and, and I'd be crying. So so I never did traditional stand up when I first started. Because I was kind of making fun of it. Because as a kid, I had overdosed on stand-up comedy. I really had watched so much of it. By the time I was in my early teens, I was kind of like over it and was doing this weird, it sounds pretentious, but, you know, this deconstructive kind of stuff. Then I got on Letterman being this weirdo. And the character came out of, like, I didn't like it when people were picking on the guy I was performing as on stage. So it seemed like he got crazier and weirder and angrier. And then when I got a letterman, suddenly I was put in a position to headline. I was like, "Oh fuck, I gotta, I gotta write jokes." <laughs> so I ended up becoming the very thing I initially started to make fun of. Well, actually, you know what? The, uh, the in the intro for our show, there's like a clip of you from uh, the Beth Lapidus seat on Cabaret CD, hmm. and you're talking about I think going to pick up your kids and your sob, and you do some. You say the line, uh, "I, uh, I am what I hate." Right, right, right. That's that's like that clip of, you can hear Beth laugh, and then one clip of you saying, I am what I hate, is right at the beginning of that show, of our our, uh, uh, show. Is that okay with you? 
Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Now we're asking permission after, yeah. after 40 episodes. Uh, but, uh, and then, I, I think it's interesting that, like, you, in the beginning of your stand-up, you were de- deconstructing it, because that's almost something that someone does later on right. in doing stand-up, and then when there was sort of the comedy boom of the 80s and early 90s, and um, then you sort of, when did you, and you walked away from it, uh, and then now you're coming back to it. How has stand-up changed for you? Or how do, what changes do you see in stand-up? It, you mean in other well i mean the, the big change is the fact that because of all the uh uh podcasts and social networking people are, are finding their own audiences without having to compromise so woohoo i'm all for that yeah. you know but um but on the other hand you know grandpa is not on the interweb so <laughs> i'm not reaching out to people who i think might actually enjoy my shows you know so as I continue to do stand-up, I'm, I'm, I'm certainly I'll probably start posting clips from this millennium yeah. <laughs> and continue to do people's, uh, uh, you know, uh, radio broadcasts and things like. I always thought like like this kind of show I'd always stay away from. You know, anything that would would kind of take stand-up a little serious. You know, I'd go, oh, that's it. But but I realized that um, that there's something awesome about that. That 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 you you know that there are people that are interested and in, and in that it's okay. You know. I always thought it was like a sin to talk serious about comedy. Yeah, I, I remember watching one of the uh, the American Comedy Awards. This is, I, I mean, it might have been the year that like Carrot Top, Carrot Top won over Bill Hicks. Yeah, sure, and, that's uh, awesome. The, uh, I remember. I think it was a they showed a table with like Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner were sitting at at the table, and Mel Brooks stands up and he just like he's just screaming about how this how this whole show is ridiculous and comedians should be making fun of stand uh, of awards shows and we shouldn't even be here tonight. Oh great! And it was all a setup, but then he goes outside and he starts handing out these protests signs to people and he starts trying to start a protest against the comedy awards that he's watching but it does well the first comedy awards i came out and and i said that i said you know comedy you know i'm glad they finally organized the backstabbing into one stellar night for profit and it was a live show so that got out but then another show i came out and i was wearing this big top hat and i go and i just guessed i said this is all fixed and I'm wearing this hat because if I want to say something that I don't want cut out, if I remove the hat while I'm saying it and put it over here, they can't cut around it. So I go, uh, the winner of this category is Tracy Almond. Now I'm going to read, and I'm slowly taking the hat off while I say that, and I go, now I'm going to read the the, the, contest of the, the uh, nominations. nominations, and I read it, and she did win. And when she won, the whole fucking room, nobody clapped. It was all weird. Oh, no. <laughs> So she, so she comes up. She goes, "Thanks, Bobcat." She was all. <laughs> oh, I think award shows for comedians are the worst because we're yeah. all narcissistic and all. Well, I don't mind the idea of a award show, us. but I'm all for anything that promotes promotes uh, people doing stand up and, and and exposes them. I'm all for that. But but what's funny is when comedians go up and they get an award and they're not funny. They're just blowhards, you know. And I'd like to thank yeah. Baby Jesus yeah. and you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's the problem with a lot of award shows or or. Or, you know, I was trying to, like, it, when when someone goes on an award show that's very stiff and they say something outrageous, it's it's awesome and exciting. Now, when, when someone goes on, when they make award shows look crazy or, or try to make them look edgy and then someone says something shocking or offensive, it's not. It's just like, well, you know, the, the set looks like a pile of garbage. Why can't I swear, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know what the point is. I just got done with a special and I was trying to keep the them to you know keep the set to a very minimum you know i i i, I did let them win and it does say bobcat behind me and they go you got to be branded you know people are turning the channels <laughs> oh my god so so um for more i look like a like kid rock or something you know <laughs> this is bobcat <laughs> nine foot letters behind me my name is bobcat <laughs> <laughs> I need Joe C running around. The uh, the award that we give away at the Canadian Comedy Awards is called the Beaver too. The Beaver? Yeah. Well, that's good though. At least, and, and it's like it's it's we we don't take it that seriously. It's mm-hmm. more because like anytime. Are you kidding me? There are people in this city that are very I'm serious. Dying about for it. a Beaver. They are yeah. dying to get some Beaver in their hands. Well, they, well, that, yeah, they always say, and the Beaver goes to, and then they give it out. Oh, and that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. somebody. It's good. kitschy Canadian. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think anytime. Did anyone go? 
hey, you know, this is also what you call a pussy. <laughs> really? Hey, there's two. What's going on? This double entendre is getting me. That <laughs> Drake is going to make my totally never... whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that Canadian reference. That's my Canadian content for this show. So do you have anything, like, uh, ex- uh, exciting coming up for people to Well, hear I am about? making this new movie. I was saying it's called God Bless America, and it's about a guy. Uh, the part that I've let out now is where he's kind of depressed and his life is shit and he he's watching a show that's like my super sweet 16 and then that night he drives 400 miles and he kills the girl from that show and one of her classmates is like did you kill chloe and he doesn't say anything and then she goes awesome so it's a spree killer movie Love and you know it's funny it's like people are like oh is it a comedy is it this and i don't i truly don't really worry too much about that one way or the other when i'm making a movie yeah i, I just kind of you know, listen to 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 the tone that that uh, myself and and uh, and my wife and the other people that I work with. You know, that's what we 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 try to keep. You know, stay true to. Um, and if uh, do you have a if people want to find you on the internet? Is there a- no, Grandpa's not on. There's a website that every once in a while they post my live dates, and it's got things like dogs and clothes <laughs> on it. <laughs> Cats and wigs. It does have some cat wigs too, yes. But uh, dogs and clothes and cats and wigs, yeah. And uh, well, it just seems like that. Uh, that, that but I mean, you, you've you've gotten back into doing stand up, but it's, like the movie making is uh, very much more. Your, is it? Would you say it's more of your passion now than stand up? Yeah, I mean, it's the thing that I know that that I I I, I mean, I work hard on my stand up because I, I come from blue collar roots, you know, and I do want to do a good show. Uh, I do want people to like it, you know. I don't. I I try not to. Uh, I jokingly wanted to call the special phoning it in, but then I remember there was a Steve Martin sketch where he did that, yeah, but I was Bob Goldway phoning it in. But um but uh I uh I, I do know that I write a lot of screenplays. I mean since World's Greatest Dad I wrote four screenplays, so so that that clears is the thing that that occupies my brain. Now, is any of that becomes comes from the fact that like, you know, you you know, you, you you put time into a script, then you put time in making the movie, then editing it, and then uh, you know, and you know, publicizing it. And, but there's always that movie that's there. And sometimes a lot of comics are like they can have the best show of their life, but there's no cameras there, there's no one to capture. Right, it. right. That's always something. That's one of the things I love about doing the XM radio show is that we always have that document at the end of the hour that we've done a show. And it did exist. And yeah, it did exist, and people heard it. And whether it's a short film that you know people are there well, that's how I feel like about the the. I really had that nice thing happen on the last special I just recorded two Tuesdays ago, that when I got done I was like, oh, oh that was that went well. Like I was relieved. I was like that was one of those shows that you because I was genuinely ad libbing during it. And I was like, oh, this is the kind of show that when you're on the road you go, oh, I wish that was recorded. So that made me feel good. Um, yeah, it is weird as a comedian. You make all this stuff that just goes up in the ether, and you have somebody come up to you and go, oh, do you still do that joke? And you go, oh shit, that was a genuine ad lib. I forgot about that joke. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, if uh, Kathleen has any more questions for, her, I the... think we're I think we're cool. This has been a really awesome interview. Oh, thanks. I thanks. had a lot of fun. I hope I didn't sound too much like a blowhard. No, God no. When I first invented the cotton gin. Well, <laughs> well, that's always one of the things. Sort of like, uh, like I know that, like I see, I see some comics that go on what they when they see Jim Carrey on the Tonight Show, they they want to see him on. Right. And for me, as a comic, I would rather go and see an actual interview with Jim right. Carrey where he's not on. And so I'm kind of glad that, like, even though it would have been pretty weird if you were sort of running in, around in, character, in a hotel in, in room. Hotel room. <laughs> yeah. That would have been awesome if you had set something on fire for us. But you know, <laughs> do you know how dirty I used to feel like when I used to do the character? So I'd get up like to do a phone interview on the road at six in the morning. And I'm like, hi, yeah, this is Bobcat Goldway, ah, right? And I'm like, these fucking people in the room next to me <laughs> have got to be going, what the fuck is going on? I felt really dirty, like, like, and I would like keep this persona going. So uh, no matter who, who I was with or what my relationship with or whatever I always would have to go into a corner of the house <laughs> and do it <laughs> it's like really dirty exactly well thank you so much and it, it was a pleasure seeing you in, in Canada you thank were you. you were hilarious and uh, yeah, thanks for coming to oh please well that's the end of the interview uh, Bobcat was very gracious with his time about an hour and a half spent with Dave and Kathleen which we edited down to about about 50 minutes you know, uh, 
I've always been a big fan of Bobcat, and I really regret that I wasn't able to be there for the weekend to see him or to do this interview. Uh, a lot of people don't give him a lot of credit, in my opinion, uh, and when it comes to comedy history, because he's known as a bit of a character comic, and a lot of times character comics don't get a lot of respect because people feel it's the character that audiences are laughing at, not so much the material. A good uh, example of both is Emo Phillips, of course, who writes the best jokes in the business, uh, but has a character that some comics may find a bit, you know, annoying past the 15 or 20 minute, you know, mark in a, in a show. And being an old character comic, I used to be one, I understand both sides of it, and I just, I think that Bobcat wrote a lot of great jokes, and unfortunately had that character that was kind of wrapped up in, that was a bit much for some people to take. But I always found it funny, and I appreciated that he sat down and spent time with us. And I'm also, uh, you know, a huge fan of his films. I think Windy City Heat is one of the funniest movies I've seen in five years, so if you get a chance, go check that out for sure. Please, if you have any questions or comments, you can always get a hold of us uh, on the internet, that new thing we've all been playing with, uh, the internet, at xmradio.ca. That's laughattack at xmradio.ca. Or you can get through to us on telephone the old-fashioned way, but really, fuck it. Who uses the phone anymore? Come on. Also, if you want to get updates on Dave Martin, you can go to davemartinworld.com. Kathleen McGee is on Facebook or Twitter, Kathleen underscore McGee. Or you can always get a hold of me at ComedyWhore.com. Our iTunes account has a couple new episodes in the can, so if you're interested in downloading those, please do. We also still have a Facebook group where we do post um, extra episode interviews and uh, freebies that we'll be putting more in in the next couple weeks. We also want to give a big shout-out to our producer, Victoria, and Paul the Intern for putting the show together and making us sound great each week. And one final little thing, uh, upcoming in the summer, the Owensound Comedy Festival, which I'm presenting with uh, Johnny Gardos, will be taking place July 8th to 10th. So if you're in the northern area near Owensound, please check that out. Also, in the fall, starting at the end of August, September, and October, myself, the comedy, comedy legend Kenny Robinson, and the mistress of ceremonies Kathleen McGee will be doing a super dirty tour right across the country. So check out that for more information. It will be coming up on future episodes. We appreciate that you listen to us each week. And until next time, that's it. I